This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. The Yevo Bruce and Francesca Turnier Sloven Museum in New York is hosting its first fully online exhibition. Entitled Bieber Epstein, The Extraordinary Life of an Ordinary Girl, tells the story of fifth grade Bieber who was born in Vilna in 1922. Jonathan Brent, CEO, and Karolina Zukowski, Chief Curator of the Yiva Bruce and Francesca Chernia Sloven Online Museum, join me now to tell me more. Welcome, Karolina and Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you, Shana Tova, to the entire Jewish community of South Africa. We are delighted. We have wanted for years and years and years to make contact with our brethren, uh, down on the tip of uh, Africa, it's a great privilege. COVID has taught us is how much the world has opened. And um, what I really enjoyed when I went through um, Beba's exhibition on your website is the fact that I was in New York visiting a museum, which is something I, I wouldn't normally be able to do. So do you want to talk through, Jonathan and Carolina, the online exhibition, fully online exhibition, how you managed to do that and what, what it was like. What's different? I will let Carolina talk about the implementation of the idea. Uh, it was her idea to uh, devote uh, this to the life of a single person. But let me give you the larger framework in which this developed. This is not uh, just a response to the COVID. We had developed this idea approximately five years ago, when it became very evident to me that despite the digitization of so much of our materials, those who could not read Yiddish, Polish, Russian, German, Ukrainian, Lithuanian, and various other languages still did not have access to these materials. And that was one consideration. So we needed to find a vehicle whereby we could translate materials into English. But we have 23 million documents in our archive, and, and you can't translate all of that. So the concept of the museum of separate galleries where materials would be translated, put in context, this is something that had been brewing for a long time. Uh, but it was also the fact that through our internet uh, programs, it became evident to us that uh, is, uh, that YIVO has a global and that part of our responsibility as an institution founded in Vilna, Poland, with the aspiration of, of, of putting the Jews of Eastern European uh, and Russian background in touch with their own history. That was the original inspiration of Evo, to be in touch with your own history, to be in touch with yourself, to study it, to know it. And if you can't do that, you cannot pass it on. So that ambition that was there in 1925 when Evo was first founded, in 2020 can be realized through our Internet resources, and particularly through the online museum, which is really a gateway to uh, all of our Internet resources and facilities uh, that we can now share with. I will say no more. Carolina? 
Yeah, so going into the how the museum works, uh, for all the audience hearing, it's a little bit different than you would expect from what other museums have online. We are not so much focusing on individual objects, but we are focusing on really going fully on storytelling. And from there, this works as a vehicle to go into all the treasures of Evo's archives. And um, the main thing that went into developing this museum is not trying to replicate the experience that you would have in a physical museum, but instead of that, taking advantage of the characteristics of the medium we are using, which is digital, and you can't replicate that in person as well, because when you are in a gallery, you have so much time, you are walking, you might need to pay admission, you might not be able to go back to that place because, like I said before, you're visiting a city in New York, for example. But online, it's there all the time, so you can go really deep into content. And uh, what we did here is through a person's story, we uh, connect to the broader historical context of the time. So as you go through Beba's story, you're going to be learning about a lot of different topics. So through her, we're going to be talking about um, all the changes that were happening between the mid-1800s and the early 1900s, about schools, curriculum, what they learned, about summer vacations, summer camps, Obviously, about the Holocaust as well, Beba went through it, and it's something very important right now. Uh, I don't know what the situation is in South Africa, but a research just came out in the United States um, that says that uh, over two-thirds of respondents, uh, young respondents between 18 and, uh, 11, I think, 18 and 39 years old, thought that uh, less than 2 million Jews had uh, died in the Holocaust. And 11% thought that Jews themselves caused the Holocaust. So there is a very a huge need for Holocaust education, and this was one of our priorities through Beba's story, being a way that we can tell the story of Jews before, during, and after the Holocaust. And not just focusing on the Holocaust itself, but all the rich culture that existed before that and all the resilience that came later. So um, I really, uh, there is really a lot of, of uh, materials. You can easily spend three hours in there, but like we said, you can always, it's free. You can go in, check some chapters, come back later. Also, it's organizing chapters. Each chapter focuses on a topic, so you can do the whole story or you can do individual chapters because they all make sense in themselves. And I encourage everyone to go check it out at museum.evo.org. If there is one thing at the foundation of the museum, it is that the galleries in the, the exhibitions in this museum, each one, as they are developed, will help us break through stereotypes, generalizations, cliches about what Jewish life in Eastern Europe was. Uh, it was not Fiddler on the Roof. It was not Leo Rostin's The Joys of Yiddish. It was also not just Abraham Joshua Heschel and the, uh, the religious piety of the people. It was a complex, very rich civilization. So what really struck me, I mean, what people need to also understand is that Beba it was a real person and you are drawing off her materials. And I just wanted you to explain where her autobiography came from and how you used it and how from that you extrapolate into general society. Well, I'll say a little bit about where it came from. Uh, we believe, though we don't have definite proof that she wrote this autobiography for an autobiography contest that the YIVO Institute sponsored in the 1930s. Uh, she was uh, 11 or 13 years old at the time. 
but uh, she was obviously quite a uh, rambunctious and spirited young girl. And she wrote this autobiography that was sent to the Yivo Institute, which uh, was somehow, and we do not know, but it was somehow saved from the Nazis in 1941, 42, 43. And then after the war, it was saved by a Lithuanian librarian from the Soviets who wanted to destroy all of the documents pertaining to Jewish history and culture that had been saved from the Nazi period. Altogether, approximately one and a half million documents were saved. Some stayed in Lithuania. Some were sent to America by the U.S. Army. But Beba Epstein's autobiography was one that had stayed in Lithuania that was hidden until we discovered it in 2017. Yeah. And uh, if I may add, so from her autobiography, uh, the way this worked is we read her autobiography and there were so many clues to her life in there. And from there, we went into archives, digging deeper and even to some other sources. So, for example, we she mentions what her school is. So we happen to have the remnants of her school in our of her school archives. Also, her uncle, Lazar Epstein, he was an important member of the Bund, and we own his papers as well. And there happened to be so many personal documents from Baba in his collection. So, for example, her immigration papers, the way we were able to figure out her immigration process and transform that into that immigration game was through the papers that we found there. There were also letters that she exchanged with her husband when he was still finishing his bachelor's degree in Mexico, and they were corresponding through letters we found so many things, and also we drew from her testimony in, I think it was in 1984, she gave a testimony to the, to the Los Angeles Holocaust Testimonial Project in conjunction with the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Uh, so we pieced it all together, and then from there we expanded. So uh, we, get her, we got her school's archives, we saw the curriculum, and then we used that as an opportunity to talk about uh, education in general for Jewish kids at the time. So we go into other schools that we have archives, and uh, she also talks in her autobiography about um, the city of Vilna, where they lived, uh, where her grandfather, with the synagogues where her grandfather was a leader, for example. And then we used that and did um, uh, some 3D tours of Vilna at the time. So then you can walk to those different parts of Vilna with Beba and seeing the places that were important for her, her, her school, her primary school, her high school, the market, the synagogues. Uh, her house, among other places. Uh, and this is another thing. It's that we take all this information and we transformed it into several interactive experiences. So some are super immersive, like the 3D walkthroughs through Vilna at the time. And some are, are more passive, but uh, there is a mix of them throughout the exhibition. What struck me about the exhibition is we meet Beba as a fifth grader. She's a young girl. She's she claims her naughtiness. She she mm-hmm. tells exactly how she's naughty and why she's naughty. And I wonder, are you trying to attract fifth grade? Who's your target audience? So it's really it's for everyone. Like I mean, if you go to any, for example, science museums, the exhibitions are always like we cater from seven to eighty years old. But uh, we definitely had uh, a focus in mind, which were school age children, uh, middle schoolers, especially and high schoolers. 
uh, because we really wanted this to be um, a tool for Holocaust education. We worked with an educational consultant and we have been briefing schools in many places in the United States, in Australia, in the UK, and many schools are already starting to use it. Uh, we are also going to have soon um, a webinar with the University of Birmingham for high school teachers in the UK. So we are trying as much as possible to get uh, this into schools and use this as a tool for Holocaust education. I just might add that the YIVO Institute has over 7 million primary documents pertaining to the Holocaust. It has more primary material relating to the Holocaust than any other repository outside of Yad Vashem in Israel. Yeah, and also something that uh, I might add, we are not targeting only Jewish schools, but non-Jewish schools as well. And uh, the exhibition is all, also a vehicle to talk about uh, prejudice and hate in general, not just uh, the Holocaust, um, and how it connects to everything that is going on in the world right now. Carolyn and Jonathan, I know that I have a number of questions that I would still like to ask you, but we don't have time. But the good news is that you can meet and speak to and hear a webinar with Carolina and Jonathan on the 26th of October at 7 p.m. It is hosted by the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center. As always, booking is essential. Not only will Jonathan and Carolina be there, but also Viva's son will join that webinar. So it should be an absolutely fascinating talk and give you an opportunity to ask the questions I'm sure you have. Um, but in the meantime, just to say thank you very much, Jonathan Brent, CEO, and Carolina Zulkowski, Chief Curator. And I'm going to do my best to get this right from the Yevo, Bruce, and Francesca Chernia Sloven Museum in New York. Thank you so much for joining me. Shana Tova. Thank you. Thank you so much.